and welcome to the Movie Mouth Film and TV Podcast. The podcast where we watch new or old movies and give them a damn good seeing to. This is Miles. This is Phil. And when this baby hits 88, you're going to hear some serious shit. So this week, we will be discussing the new Steve Carell, Greg Daniels, Netflix comedy, Space Force. We'll have an interview with a tell-all film critic who's going to go into his experiences in the film industry. And we're also going to be talking about some classic movies later in the show. But before we do that, let's jump into the news. So Phil, come on, tell us, what have you been watching this week? This week? So this week, I managed to catch a couple of films just channel hopping on tv as you do and um that sort of classic thing of just you can see your films on you're like oh i'm gonna have to watch it now go on so i what caught your eye (laughs) i watched uh kill bill volume one oh just the one Uh, just the one uh and i'd not seen that for a few years so it was good to see that again um and great movie the other yeah such a good good film um and the second one i watched was and this was a bit of a blast from the past because i don't think i've seen it since i saw it at the cinema but it was identity with john cusack yes yes who else was in that john cusack and, and uh ray liotta ray liotta that's right yes it's something yeah. about split personalities i seem to remember I've, I've seen it once i think they're all in a motel or something is that right yeah it's a bit it's nothing special. It's it's mm. all right. It's it's watchable. But yeah, I, I, uh, as I said, I'm pretty sure I saw it when it came out, but I haven't seen it since then. And yeah, I've, bit I of a brain twister. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it was, it was all right. It was watchable. This week, I actually started watching uh, Community, which I'd never actually seen before. Oh, and uh, yeah, I'm. Pro- I think I'm now two seasons in. God bless <laughs> COVID nineteen because uh, oh, you've not seen <laughs> it before, so you're watching it fresh. Absolutely fresh, yeah. Oh, um, right, okay, cool. So you've got like a lot of um, amazing, you know, actors, I think, that really got a start in that, like Donald Glover, Alison Brie. Um, yeah. You've got obviously Chevy Chase in there as well, who I think was probably the, the initial draw for a lot of people, but actually wasn't really the one to kind of flourish from it and, of course, was eventually fired from the show. Um, <laughs> but just a really good show, actually, and I really actually have enjoyed watching that because of the level of film references. So if there's anyone out there that hasn't seen it, Highly recommend it because, you know, if you love your movies, you're really going to get a lot out of it. A lot of references that in some cases even pass me by. Um, and of course, it's got the incredible uh, paintball episode that was directed by uh, Justin Lin, who went on to direct many of the, the Fast and Furious movies. In fact, the good Fast and Furious movies. Um, and of course, a lot of the episodes are also directed by uh, the Russo brothers, who then went on to to direct the Captain America movies for Marvel and then subsequently uh, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, which is one of my favorite films of the last 10 years, without a doubt. Um, so really worth dipping into if uh, if you get a chance to pick on that. That's on Netflix here in the US. I'm not sure if it's if it's yeah, available. I think, I think it's all available over here as well. There in the sure. UK, yeah. It's a great show, yeah. Really good, really worth uh, really worth picking up on. So, so Phil, have you seen any good trailers this week? Any uh, any kind of surprise new movies dropping out that you uh, trailer wise in watching? Instead of trailers, I saw. So I got quite excited when uh, I saw the uh, Bill and Ted. Uh, some news on the new Bill and Ted film. Excellent, uh, <laughs> excellent. Yeah. Uh, so I was yeah I was pretty pleased to see that because it's meant to be coming out this summer. 
with a, I, I guess it still is with the situation at the moment, but um, yeah, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited to see that. It's called, so it's called Bill and Ted Face the Music. Wow. And isn't it crazy yeah. how, let's face it, Ted, Keanu Reeves, hasn't aged since the first movie. He looks exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. He literally does. Magic skin. What else was Alex Winter in He as Bill? He was in... Uh, the only other thing I can think off the top of my head is uh, he was in The Lost Boys. Yes. Uh, and yeah, I can't think of what else he was in, to be honest the with you. The only thing um, I think about, when I think about The Lost Boys, and I know it's a cult classic, I know people love it, but the only yeah. thing I can ever think about is a bodybuilder wearing chains playing a saxophone with a ponytail. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I was going to say, was it an oiled up saxophone player? Yeah, I forgot the oil. But yeah. he's definitely oiled up as well. That it's, is literally the only thing. And Jason Patrick, I believe, is in it. Yeah. Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. Pretty much it. it. Is, yeah. But great film. I love that film. No, that is a great film. That is a great film. So that's an interesting one. I saw the trailer for Tenet, uh, the new Chris Nolan movie, which looks right. absolutely batshit crazy. It appears to have something to do with time control, perhaps reversing time. There's a car scene where cars are flipping backwards in in reverse um you've got robert pattinson in there with the quintessential christopher nolan side parting that all of the characters in his movie seem to have so you know the <laughs> likes of leo seem to have the same in uh, in inception of course bale had the same in in the batman movies and there's also a scene where a jumbo jet appears to crash into a hangar of some kind it, i mean it looks insane good. Yeah, um, and it's still it's supposed to be coming out in July, which is a stretch right now considering it's June, and you know mm. we can't even walk down to a bar and have a drink inside. So we'll see if that one gets moved back. But I'm I'm really pumped for for that one. Yeah, I mean, because for Nolan films always a good thing in it in my book. Yeah, I mean, I've got the Blu-ray box set very recently that I want to dip back into and start watching stop start watching those all over again. Mm. Um, but just the, the level of quality that that guy puts out is uh, is unbelievable. Yeah. So this week's review, we sat down to watch two episodes of the Steve Carell, Greg Daniels comedy for Netflix, Space Force, which is a brand new show on Netflix. You can see actually all 10 episodes that are available right now. Um, It's a very, very high budget, high concept comedy. Uh, It follows Steve Carell as General Nerd, a Air Force general who is promoted to a four star general to head up the Air Force's new Space Force division. And we follow him- Space Force! Space Force! (laughs) As he interacts with all of a multitude of different cast and crew, including John Malkovich, Ben Schwartz, and many more. Um, So Phil, what did you think about this one? I, I mean, so I've watched the first two episodes and- I I like it so far. I think I think maybe I think it's not as funny as I thought it was going to be. Um, but it I think it works for for what it is. I think it works fine. For, you know, that's this is from two episodes in, so I've got there's <laughs> quite a few more to go. So I'll, I'll I, give I just it more of a chance. I'm actually laughing because I know we've both seen the, the two episodes. The second episode being one of the most bizarre, 
episodes of TV I think I have ever seen. Yeah, I think bizarre is the <laughs> bizarre is the perfect word to describe episode two. Um, I think we should right now just just state that there will be some spoilers. So if you haven't seen the first two episodes of Space Force, you know, feel free to go back and watch them before lis- re-listening to this. If if you don't really care, feel free to listen because we are going to go into detail on it. And some <laughs> of the things that we say out loud will probably throw you for six. Um, I mean, let, let, let's get into, you know, the positives. What What did you think worked? So even though it's a comedy, I think one of the things that struck me the most first was uh, the cinematography. Of it, it looks amazing. It, it looks fantastic. It looks yeah. great. And I love the way that, um, I love the way loads of the shots are put together, the way the shots are composed. It's really like photographic. It's sort of, it's got that like photography school of composition for mm. just symmetry and shots. And there was lots of like in the first episode, um, early on, there's some like dialogue where the actors look straight at the camera, which I really liked. And, I wondered if that was going to be a thing that carried on through the show because you know sometimes that's that's a thing, um, but it, it hasn't seemed to be. So it was just a one-off type thing. But I, I quite like things like that when it's sort of just a bit different from the the norm, you know. I love that opening scene with Steve Carell as General Nerd and uh, Noah Emmerich as Kit Graveston where they're kind of talking to each other and you see the camera kind of looking down on Steve Carell because obviously yeah. Kit Graveston is a lot higher than him and he's yeah. kind of looking up to him. That, that was great. That that kind of playfulness and that that direction from that first episode, I think they really set the tone for what's to follow it. It, it was actually directed by Paul King, who it came through originally from the Mighty Boosh, uh, Bunny and Bull story, went on to direct the the two Paddington movies, um, which if you haven't seen those, they are just w- wonderful movies. I'm not afraid to admit as a, as a grown-ass man that I, I shed a few tears at the end of the second one. Um, but <laughs> I've the, not seen the, them the, yet. You have to go back and watch them. They, they are really, really good. And no, I've heard they're very good, but yeah. This, 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 the, the stylistic nature in which he directs is definitely a, a thoroughfare for all of, his, all of his content that he puts out. And this is no exception. This is actually poss- possibly even better. So yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I love that. Hmm. Um, did you did you laugh? Did you find it funny? I found moments funny. I mean, <laughs> I probably la- <laughs> I probably laughed uh, after the first episode. I thought, okay, there's some of these. There's some moments that's pretty funny in this. After the second episode, I think I was. I laughed more, but I think it's because I was laughing at how absurd everything was. <laughs> like the entire 32 minutes or whatever it is of absurd TV that I just watched. Uh, of course, so, we're talking, we're referring yeah. to the Chimpstronauts, Marcus. Here. Chimpstronauts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Chimpstronaut. Yeah. So, I mean, Episode, yeah, episode one was a bit more, you know, like any, I guess, episode one should be. It sets the scene, yeah. sets the characters, sets the, the sort of tone of the of what's to come, I'm guessing. Although I say that, but then judging by episode two, it wasn't really. <laughs> so so, I, so I've seen more than just the two episodes. I've seen up to episode okay. eight currently. Okay, and I can right. tell you that if, if they just put out those first two episodes, I would have probably just stopped there. Like I did with the Orville like I've done with so many other shows where 
if the tone isn't quite right from you know that second episode post pilot, it can really it put me off, and I'm doesn't do it for me. And mm. and I think in that second episode, um, because it is so so bizarre and so out there. Um, the kind of episode that you, you you would usually see later in a season or later in a series in its life cycle, um, and I'm not talking about jumping the shark, but possibly you know space astronaut or chimpstronaut could become a new verb for jumping the shark. <laughs> um, that that you know I think I, I think it could lose a lot of momentum in in those initial few episodes. Later on down the line, it definitely comes back to that initial. Um, that that initial kind of tone that's been set in that in that first episode, and and in particular, the the, the interplay between the characters, I think these actors really had a lot of chemistry. Uh, Noah Emmerich, we've talked about with Steve Carell, I think also John Malkovich with mm. uh, with Steve Carell, and that that kind of opening scene where we're first introduced to to John Malkovich, where he's amazing, he, uh, yeah, John Malkovich yeah. is so good at it. And he he basically is uh, he basically tells uh, Steve Carell that you know he hired him and that he could fire him even though he clearly you know is not outranked uh, is is outranked by Steve Carell was was just yeah. brilliant. Um, yeah. I probably found one area that I really laughed though, and and that was the scene with Steve Carell's father, who was played by the late great Fred Willard, who sadly passed away just last month in May twenty twenty. Um, and in yeah. here in his last role, he plays his frail father that we, as far as I can tell, only actually see um, over the phone to him or to Steve Carell's daughter. And in this scene, um, he, he gets a phone call from from his dad, Fred Willard. And Fred Willard's there. He has his phone in his hand and he's outside his house looking fairly shaken. And he tells Steve Carell that he climbed under the house to check a leak. And I quote, I climbed under the house and didn't tell anyone that I was under there. And just, I, I don't know what it is about the delivery of the guy. You definitely have to see it. Um, but he's just, he was just an absolute legend. And, you know, I think sadly, sadly missed. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I really like the stuff he's been in. I yeah. I mean, what for your consideration? Uh, yeah, best in show. Yeah. Uh, I think he played another dad in, uh, I think it's Modern Family. He's the dad of one of the main guys in That's Modern right. Family. As That's well. right. Yeah. 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 One of his later um, roles, Spinal Tap. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. An absolute absolutely. legend. Yeah, absolutely. And still had it. I mean, even at the age of 86 years old, he still had it and he's still dropping lines and still, for me, the funniest thing in the show, which is just <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Fred Willard then uh, sadly, uh, sadly departed and dearly missed. So what didn't work for you, would you say? Uh, I think that some of it felt a bit... Um, I think more in... Oh, I think that, yeah, some of the delivery, it felt a bit too much like the Anchorman school of like... I mean, I love Anchorman as, as both of them as films. I think that they're hilarious. But I think the way... There's one scene in the first episode where he's he's doing like a speech to a school, like mm -hmm. a high school, and it just felt like he was that sort of not the brick Tamlin, uh, you know, character from Anchorman, but he was giving like a Ron Burgundy style of delivery of mm. sort of these sort of quippy jokes, and I I don't know, it was fine, but it, I I think 
it sort of great that in particular grated with me a little bit but there was bits later on that sort of made up for that i think anyway but and this is steve carell playing a very gruff military general with a very gruff military voice yeah which i must um, say like he does pretty well i think he sort of gets into that um yeah that military way of speaking which i'm, I'm sure you will have if you're sort of that high up in the in the military there was that great scene where he's he can't sleep at night and he kind of climbs out of bed and makes yeah. his bed like he's a general with his wife still asleep and kind of marches out of the room. I just thought that was brilliant. He's obviously done yeah, a lot of character brilliant. work on this. Yeah. Speaking of uh, which, his wife, played by Lisa Kudrow, uh, another odd, I think, weird inclusion, sort of not much not much screen time there. And then, what uh, is she doing in there? Why have they why have they brought in Lisa Kudrow from Friends and and basically taken her off screen for most of it? I mean, we see her basically throughout the series in a cameo role. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. She's just she has so much more to give than that. I, I find that really, really unusual. I mean, although I would say perhaps finding out why she's off screen um <laughs> could be interesting. <laughs> Being yeah. that she's in a maximum security prison, and we don't know why. Yeah, that was a, a fun cut to him going to see his wife. <laughs> that was pretty unusual. That was pretty unusual. Yeah. I think I think they they obviously spent a lot on on the effects here, and I feel yeah, the like effects looks great. Wow, I mean, the first time you see the base, when you see the the rockets going up, the satellites, the scene at the end of the first episode where the 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 Chinese satellite rips off the the solar panels off of the the satellite that they've just put into yeah. orbit. I mean all but of that like looks the, great. The chimp stuff in the second episode like that's really well animated. It's really mind well blowing. It's yeah. on par with, you know, the Planet of the Apes movies. I, I would say really so. Yeah, it's pretty close. I mean, for TV, I mean, I'm sure this has got a huge budget, but you know, TV generally gets a little bit left behind when it comes to um special effects and stuff because they just don't have you know as much of a budget a lot of the time to do to to spend on sort of that blockbuster effects you know i mean I, all, all we can say about marcus is that he may not be the best chimpstronaut of all time but he <laughs> is definitely the best looking chimpstronaut of all time he, he's the he's the best rendered chimpstronaut i've ever seen in my life. I, th- I think they spent more money on the chimpstronaut than they did on the script because <laughs> the jokes just ain't there. They're not in there. And a lot of the jokes feel like it's almost like a family show, but then every other word is the F-bomb, which I yeah. usually find hilarious. But yeah. in this case, I didn't. It just didn't quite click. And I felt like with all those actors, the cast they've assembled here, a lot of improvisers, you've got Steve Carell, Ben Schwartz, who's known for his comedy troupe uh, doing improv live on stage none of them are able to improvise. And I feel like maybe the suits at Netflix spent so much money on this that they really hunkered down on making sure the actors stuck to the script so that what followed was a natural occurrence of CGI that took months and months and months and months to build based on the script that had already been written. Yeah, maybe. I've got a question for you, actually. So do you know... Here we go. You see more, cause you, no, only because you've seen more episodes than me. Seven and uh, a half inches. <laughs> but in so in episode one i really like the scene where um he goes he's having a very stressful day mm-hmm. and he goes into his office 
says, you know, don't disturb me for five minutes, no calls. <laughs> and then he stands staring out of the window, trying to collect his thoughts. And suddenly, in I would say in the, only the way that sort of Steve Carell can, uh, breaks into, uh, what's it called? Kokomo by the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he starts, you know, sort of mouthing it and then speaking it and then <laughs> gradually breaks into full-on singing and dancing which i found again quite odd but really funny um i quite enjoyed that but then so the question was because in the second episode they feature uh fortunate son by credence clearwater revival mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh and i can't think of like other songs in the episode so it seemed is it do you know if it's a feature that they sort of do a song per episode that they sort of feature a bit heavily. There are there are some musical elements for sure in some of the other episodes. Yeah, there are there are some other ones. You know, you've got that scene at the start of the first episode, for example, where he's driving in and and he's playing the music with <laughs> kind of nonchalantly with the with the guy, the gas station uh, attendant in oh, the yeah. trunk. Yeah. You know, kind of. <laughs> yeah. So they, they use music in really interesting ways, and again, I think a lot of that is is paul king and the way that he's kind of set that up in in the rest of the show because of that playfulness that i think he's really injected yes it does and you do see you do see more of that as uh, as the show progresses okay that's good i like a bit of music i like a a montage to music and then things we love it who would you say in terms of the characters which ones really appealed to you I think I do like Steve Carell's character. Uh, John Malkovich, though, is amazing as the scientist. Dr. Mallory, I think is his name. Yeah, Dr. Dr. Malkovich, isn't it? <laughs> Dr. Malkovich Mallory. And, and all he says is Malkovich, 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 Malkovich. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't got any lines. It just says Malkovich. But, you know, Malkovich, it's like his delivery of stuff is just so good. Yeah. Always, in whatever he's in. I, I, really like, I really like him, John Malkovich. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about the first episode and the motherfucker at the end of it. <laughs> that was amazing. And then, and it's actually echoed by yeah. John Malkovich at the Which, start of the second episode. Yeah. Which was, I thought was really good. Pretty, pretty good move. I, I, I really liked Yuri um, or Bobby, quote unquote, the Russian <laughs> officer the Russian. who who may or may not be a spy. Um, yeah. Is definitely sneaky and is also in a slightly problematic twist. Seeing Steve Carell's teenage slash high school daughter and taking her out on dates yeah uh, okay um but i quite liked his arc i liked the the fact that he has that kind of shiftiness and we don't really know what he's up to if he's actually up to anything whether he's just a, a bit of an airhead um, yeah but also the most stereotypical russian like that you can get you know yeah like, oh. he pulls it pulls up in his in his car like with like euro pop like blast <laughs> blasting from it and then stops it to speak to her and he's holding he's like we could finish this and it's a, you know he's got a bottle of vodka it's just like i like that going, kind of they're going for the stereotype yeah they, they definitely are I, I feel like they do tend to um kind of feature him slightly less later as the series goes on which i think is a shame because i think mm. he's um, I think he's got a lot to give, and that that arc, I really, I really like that kind of back and forth. Um, and I also really liked the helicopter pilot uh, Angela Alley, who was played by Tawny Newsom, because yeah, I think she's, really she's, good, actually. she's probably the only human being in the show. Yeah, she's at that. She's that. She's the only normal person in the entire yeah. show. Yeah, uh, for sure. She's. She, I think she may become the moral center of the show. 
you know, the kind of audience eyes kind of watching and, and, and reacting. I think that's kind yeah. of where she is. Um, but, you know, so a lot of the cast I like. I like a lot of the cast. I just, I'm not sure whether it all gels together yet, all of the moving pieces. Um, yeah. What would you say were your, your favorite moments or your favorite moment of the, uh, of the two episodes? I think there's a few... <laughs> I think that there's a few good lines in it. I like quite early on in the, the second episode where Steve Carell says, uh, you know, they, they're pro they're, um, they're faced with a problem that they need to solve. <laughs> and he's mm. talking to the scientists about it. And then he just says, we're going to Apollo 13, the shit out of this, <laughs> which I quite like. <laughs> Brilliant. That's good. Weirdly as well. I, I, something, a weird thought that crossed my mind watching that episode because it gets mentioned, but he mentions Brexit in it when they're talking about a few things. And I thought, I don't know if I've seen anything else yet mentioned. I, f- I found Brexit. that so strange. I did. I didn't like such it. A bad joke as well. Yeah, it was, it was really it was bad. something like um, Brexit. What, what's next? Frexit? Sweat? Yeah, it was. Like, that was. That was it. That that oh. was. Yeah, that was really bad. It's yeah. like, oh wow, we're we're current. We're talking about politics here. Yeah, you know, in and a, I just in oh. a comedy about space force. Yeah, so ham fisted. So yeah. ham fisted. But that's did... the first thing that I. I think of that references that yeah in a high budget american netflix comedy (laughs) about space yeah about space starring steve carell yeah (laughs) i I really liked uh i have to say you know it's no surprise i love that that fred willard scene um you know i also i i I think it was i think actually it was really well played and i think even steve carell the way he's reacting to that is brilliant Um, yeah it is actually yeah the fact that you know fred willard's calling Steve Carell to find out about how Steve Carell's wife is and is clearly, you know, clearly isn't aware of really what's happening. Steve Carell obviously tells him that she's in prison. Um, and then later on, when Fred Willard's carer comes to take him back into the house, he grabs the phone and Fred Willard turns to the carer and said, ask him how his wife is. Like <laughs> yeah. he's just already forgotten. And then Steve <laughs> yeah. Carell, uh, who finds out that his mother is, has disappeared and has gone walkabout somewhere in New Jersey uses the high-powered uh, NASA stealth telescope to spy on her and find where she is. And she's kind of just stood there in a nightgown in the middle of a, of a grocery store car park. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and he actually uses the line, we have to use the satellite again. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love he's already got his other phone out on on, on the phone. To, to, to He's, I need it again. I think those little moments are what makes it, those more subtle moments yeah. I think of what makes it for me the more more enjoyable the the ham fisted the Brexit jokes the um, the chimpanzee in space that you know has has eaten the dog um, <laughs> spoiler alert um, <laughs> you know just some of the most bizarre things that you could see but also not really that funny funny because it's insane but not because it's you know really well written mm. is my is my opinion of that. And I think, you know, when we talk about how it could be better, I, I would say, you know, make it more funny. I think, you know, try and um, try and let the actors do what they do best, which is that improv piece, which is the reactions, which is not sticking to a script because, you know, they have to put the framework in of, of millions of dollars of budget for, for effects. How about yeah. yourself? No, I was just going to say, I think <laughs> what I found really funny as well was, well, not funny, <laughs> because of because of the weirdness of the, the whole second episode the end scene of that was actually quite like touching it was quite a nice scene it was really serious and and i found that quite a obviously they've done it on purpose because it's been weird balls out bizarre half an hour leading up to mm. that 
sort of couple of minute scene, but I thought it was quite good. Yeah, it definitely there's definitely a, a warm heart in there somewhere. And I think a lot of that comes from the chemistry between the the leads that are in it. Um yeah. you know, I I, I just I, you know, I just think it's something you have to absorb the rest of the episodes to really start to see that as well. And that's what really keeps you coming back is, you know, the 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 kind of interplay between the characters and less so the effects, less so the weird twists such as a chimpstronaut or a dogstronaut hanging out in space. Um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Although it's one of those things where, like, you know, it's like a car crash. Like, you can't take your eyes away from it in some places. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it, overall, I'm going to carry on watching it. Yeah. No, I think, uh, well, I'm already eight episodes in, so I'm definitely going to watch the last two. <laughs> you might as well. So, so tonight, Matthew, on Stars in Their Eyes, <laughs> if you had to be... <laughs> if you had to uh, be one no these... one in America, if anyone's listening, America is going to get that at all. <laughs> I just love the fact that people will be Googling it and seeing Matthew yeah. Kelly, seeing the stars in their eyes oh. stage, seeing people come yeah. out as George Michael or Paul oh, Weller. Or, show. I miss oh, it. Just simply, simply incredible. Yeah. Um, but in this section in stars in their eyes, this is going to be a weekly recurrence. We're going to talk about who you, who you would be if this show was real. So if the character itself was you, who would you be? Now I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to go for smarts here. Like I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not a smart man in the science uh, sense. But I think I'd probably. I'm I'd not probably a smart be, man, but I'm I know not, what love is. I, I know what love is. But yeah, I would probably, I'd go for John Malkovich because I like his. Uh, he's just like, you can just tell he's just like, just shut up, just just listen because <laughs> I've got the actual answer that you want, and. Um, I like his sort of no bullshit. Like, and it, it, I like the fact that he clearly sees that something that's going on, it's not going to work. So he just goes away and uh, works on the actual thing that will help the situation. <laughs> and I like to think I'm a little bit like that sometimes. You definitely are. Yeah, you definitely are. No, I think he's, you? I think, I think I can imagine you as, as, as Dr. Mallory for sure. Definitely not Steve Carell. You're more self-aware than that. I think <laughs> I would, if I had the choice, I'd definitely be Lisa Kudrow's character because that way, um, I wouldn't have to see all of the other characters day to day because they're all, let's face it, um, abominable human beings. <laughs> um, so I'd, I think I'd rather be behind bars uh, having enough. a ton of sex in jail. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so if we ro- 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 recast this show, who would you choose in the leads? Who would you pick to to play the, the lead with, with Steve Carell? Now, this probably sounds like an obvious choice, but I could 100% see it being Will Ferrell. Yeah, great. Easy. Because, you know, he could do that. Has, it, has Will Ferrell done a military role? I'm trying to think in anything. Possibly a cameo. Yeah. Certainly not, no, certainly not a starring role. Um, but no, I, I, he could 100% just drop straight into doing that and be funny, or if not funnier. Although I like them both, so. That's nothing yeah, against Steve Carell. He's coming up soon in a new Netflix comedy uh, called Eurovision with uh, yes. Rachel McAdams, <laughs> which looks the... fucking insane. <laughs> it looks amazing. I can't wait for that. Have you seen the video? The video that the, yeah. the song video they released for that. It was amazing. It's like just them on a mountain on a glacier, like just oh, 
it looks insane. I can't wait for it's that. It's wearing like what can only be described as camp Viking attire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's no other way to describe it. I'm I'm in. I'm in. And of course, I'm, as soon I'm, as that drops, we'll be reviewing that one. It's already on my add to watch list. Oh, I love it. We will definitely be reviewing that in a in a later podcast yes. to, to come. Um what I think you know who, I well, yeah, who would you recast? I'm trying to think about this. I mean, obviously, I'm a huge Jim Carrey fan, so I would probably go with Jim just because, mm. you know, he plays he plays you know straight man falling apart very very yeah. well, you know, and extremely well. Yeah, I mean, movies like Fun with Dick and Jane is a really is a really really good example of that. If you haven't seen that, check that one out. Yeah. Um, or Kidding on Showtime here in the US, um, where he he's playing basically a children's entertainer whose life is slowly falling apart. Um, yeah. And he, I mean, he plays it very well. He does that depth of drama and comedy. Well, you feel for him at the same time as kind of getting laughs out of him. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I feel, I, I, I feel like Steve Carell is, is kind of perfectly placed here in, in this uh, role. Yeah. I think he's, you know, he's really good at it, but, um, just love to see yeah. him have a little bit more license to, uh, to be uh, slightly more, have slightly more freedom in the role itself. Yeah. Yeah. So, as we close out this review, would you would you give this a recommendation, Phil? Or would you oh yeah, definitely. I'd it? say no. I wouldn't say avoid it. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's as uh, as as bad as that at all. I think it's completely watchable. I think it's a, especially at the moment. <laughs> what else have we got to do? <laughs> Put on a nice comedy <laughs> series that actually gives you a laugh. Yeah, um, just sit on the couch, watch Netflix, and forget that we're all going to fucking die. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, I'd recommend it for th- for that reason. Gets a thumbs up from me too. I just really want to see more comedy, more laughs as part of it. But I'll still keep watching it because I'm a sucker for new content. Yeah, and I want to see where this thing goes. So Space Force then on Netflix that's available now, and gets a recommendation from both Phil and myself. Next, we have a new guest. So our guest this week is a professional film critic who has been lead film reviewer for Hilton Magazine, Cyprus Weekly, and worked for Time Out, and is currently in marketing and the projectionist for Albra Cinemas in the UK. Please welcome Sean Chrysanthu. Hi, Sean. Welcome to the Movie Mouth podcast. Hi, guys. Great to be here. How are you doing? Hi, Sean. Thanks for coming along. No problem. Absolutely. How are you uh, finding life in COVID-19 Britain? <laughs> um, yes, a bit surreal. I kind of have this vague feeling that we're going to think this never actually happened in about six months' time. But uh, yeah, yeah, all good, to be honest with you, um, from my point of view. Getting a lot of stuff watched. Um, obviously, it's a horrible time um, globally for a lot of people. But um, yeah, trying to make the best of it. What have you been watching while in quarantine? Um, anything and everything really, um, found the, uh, how useful it is to have, uh, about eight different, uh, streaming subscriptions is always useful. Um, yeah. <laughs> catching up on some old, uh, old stuff, trying to be with some new stuff. Um, yeah. And catching up on community, which I, uh, I missed first uh, time around. So, uh, yeah. Funnily enough, we talked about that earlier on in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, uh, Miles and Abed's 
podcast, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Miles and Abbott's podcast. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us. You know, I think so. I think a good place to start is always talking to people about their favorite ever movie going experience because, at the end of the day, the thing that connects us all is the fact that we, as people, had once a great movie going experience, fell in love with the art of film, and we're all here today talking about it, nerding out over it. So, can you tell us your your favorite or maybe your first movie going experience? Something that really uh, that you that you really remember? Um. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um. Probably showing my age a bit here, but um, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I've got some great memories from childhood and things like that of uh, going with family. You know, even seeing things like Mary Poppins and things like that. Um, coming out and trying to do the high kick to the side. Um, <laughs> but um, I mean, first memory would be um, would be Star Trek motion picture, the very first one. I'm going to see that with my dad. Um, that would be what just for Christmas '79. Um, yeah, incredible. That I mean, that just blew me away, and that that stuck with me. I was what five, and um, that was a it was an annual treat wow. with my dad going to see a, a film. Um, basically, while my mum and grand were preparing Christmas mince pies, I seem to remember babysitting. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that that became kind of a, a family tradition for quite a few years. So yeah, motion picture that that's that's kind of my my in really and that just still i can still remember how that just blew me away um that was the literally literally was different world yeah and that was it from there basically so tell us a bit about your um sort of your film background and how you got into what you're doing now um i kind of um i've got uh you probably tell from the, from the surname i've got a uh separate heritage so my parents moved to cyprus when i was 14 um and then of course from the uk and then we sort of lost access to access to tv and things like that and while i'd always enjoyed film that suddenly became the real kind of moment where film took over um helped by the fact that cyprus had a very um shall we say um loose approach to copyright infringement laws <laughs> so you know there were quite a lot you wouldn't of, steal uh, a car sean no <laughs> very true very true yeah i've got visions of a guy in a, in a furnace beating out you know uh, on an anvil or um yeah but um but you know it is what it was so there i was 14 15 years old different country didn't really speak the language so um suddenly with access to an insane number of movies not necessarily in the best of quality um on vhs um so yeah basically just kind of started feeding on film really um anything i'd I'd consume anything and everything um and it kind of basically grew from there and then and then of course as cyprus you know got a bit more with it and things tightened up and the laws tightened up money got invested in cinemas so the cinemas improved yeah um i uh i was uh i'd moved into uh print media by that time anyway um so i was working for a newspaper i actually kind of my career kind of took me into the motor trader additionally so i qualified as a mechanic okay and so then i joined a a newspaper as a as a motoring correspondent and um obviously you know kind of with the love of film there kind of you know hooked up quite closely with the guy who wrote on film 
for the paper. So I kind of became the sort of de facto fallback for if he was away or anything like that, or any films. I seem to remember writing the review for Gone in 60 Seconds with the, the, the glorious Nick Cage as uh, Mem- <laughs> Mem- Memphis Reigns, I seem to remember, as one of the most memorable names. Um, <clears throat> Memphis Reigns. Yeah, it's not quite Dead on the Sunshine, is it? But, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that kind of morphed into, I then kind of moved into PR and some publishing, started doing some f- easing into film writing for The Hilton and some other publications, and then basically... Um, a weekly newspaper approached me and asked me if I'd take over their their film department. They were doing a major relaunch and asked if I'd take over the, the sort of film side of things, which I did. So I ended up with uh, weekly uh, writing on uh, you know, reviews, new features, what's upcoming, general feature writing, things like that. So okay. yeah, it was uh, it was good. Good. Can you? So uh... I kind of didn't didn't quite fall into it, but almost fell into it, as it were. That's the way the world works, I think. Mm, Have you, mm, can yeah. you tell us about a review that you maybe regret giving either a positive or a negative review to? <laughs> Do I regret giving a... Um, did you give, did you no. give, for example, Attack of the Clones five stars? <laughs> no, I didn't give Attack of the Clones five stars, I can assure you. <laughs> uh, um, no, that uh, do I have any No, I mean what I will say is, you know, on the on the one hand that you know a film correspondent and in many ways is 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 a dream job film critic, you know, hey great, you know, you get to actually sit down and watch no end of films for free. What I will say is that um you keep in mind you do have to watch everything, you know, yeah, anything that can't comes really out. Be selective, can exactly, you? Exactly, yeah. So and by the time you're up to Saw Six, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hard to maintain your enthusiasm to some extent. But no, I I mean I I was writing for a, ge- a very general audience, so you know I wasn't it wasn't something that I was trying to be overly overly filmic about. If if you know what mm. I mean, you know I, mm. I've always been you know I've always approached film as an escape for me. You know it's always been fun first, and you know if film can be worthy. Don't get me wrong, and it should be. But you know at the end of the day, for most people, it's it's an escape from from life for you know yeah. a couple of hours so you know that's always been my approach to reviewing and so you know not to i wasn't writing for empire or you know any of the other you know major film publications it was a general newspaper so i tried to keep things light tried to keep things and tried to be as forgiving as possible you know uh, i've never made a movie i've never made a film <laughs> um so you know these guys have already got a kind of one up on me um so the fact they've actually got a film out there and made um uh, but Right. Nobody, so, but, nobody's yeah, trying but, to make a bad movie at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, after Saw, well, basically anything after Saw 1, really, it got very hard to to maintain that positive viewpoint, it has to be said at times. Safe to say, the Saw movies almost killed your enthusiasm for film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. But no, not really. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, but. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think I have any actual full-blown regrets. I'm sure if I've sat down and read a few, there's a few things I might wonder quite where I was at. But, yeah. <laughs> so, talking about the things that you might not not have liked so much, mm. what's your uh, what's your preferred genre? Um, I'm okay with anything really, as long as it, yeah. You know, uh, Anything that's good, anything that's got a story to tell, I'm quite comfortable with. Um, back me in a corner, force me to say it would probably be sci-fi. Um, okay. 
that um, you know that's what I shared with my dad to an extent um, and growing up in you know the you know growing up in Spielberg's world Lucas's yeah. world you know it's kind of ingrained yeah, um, sure. not necessarily so much fantasy but yes yeah, so certainly I would lean towards sci-fi as... who would you say is your favorite director I mean are you Lucas <laughs> or, or Spielberg or <laughs> um, what of the two? Oh, Spielberg, or other. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, I mean George Lucas has his uh, has his moments, but uh, I mean we um, could we could rephrase that to you know who's your favorite filmmaker, and then yeah, um, I I think you know one thing that working as a critic kind of forced me to do was to just to kind of open up a little bit more. You know, back in the day where I would have, you know, preached, you know, I would have preached Scorsese and things like that. I think, you know, I, I became a lot more open and found it much harder to specifically zero in on one particular director or another. You know, um, I think pretty much all of, you know, all of the major directors have got good work behind them. I think they've probably also got some stuff that I'm not so taken with, you know, you know, I love Tarantino on a good day. Um, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I thought it was superb. Um, indulgent, but superb. Uh, but, you know, I don't necessarily love all of his stuff. Um, mm. Same with any of them, really. And yet, on the other hand, you know, I can celebrate a lot of... I celebrate a lot of what might be regarded as journeyman directors. Um, you know, the likes of, shall we say, I mean, John Badham. Um, not, so much, not so much output these days, but, you know, he, he's got he's I, I have an admiration for directors who can take stuff that might ordinarily have been fairly generic and are able to elevate it um through you know getting the best out of uh, performers i mean movies he made back in the sort of late 80s well, through the 80s i suppose things like stakeout and uh um even earlier than that blue thunder things like that um mm, yeah okay fairly regular uncelebrated directors but yeah, I think I think there's a. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think they necessarily get as as uh, as much limelight as perhaps they should. But then again, maybe that helps them fly under the radar and just get on with the job. Yeah, true. Yeah. So, what about um your what would you call your favorite ever movie scene? If you had to try and. Think <laughs> oh, favorite ever movie scene. Um. Well, I mean, it's hard to. It's hard to ignore moments like the the cafeteria scene in Heat, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Like De Niro, you know. <laughs> um, you've got heavyweights like that facing off against each other. Um, you know, Indy confronted with the swordsman, you know, uh, moments <laughs> yeah. like that, you know. Uh, but, I mean, I'll... What uh, favourite movie scenes? James Stewart in Harvey. Um, oh, you nice. know, there's a glorious scene where he's out in an alleyway talking about... Um, a potentially invisible six foot three and a half invisible white rabbit. Um, mm, you know, it's yeah. just, uh, yeah, it's glorious. You know, it's, it's, it's and I, th- I think that's one thing that, um, especially kind of growing up as a fan of sci-fi in the in the seventies and eighties, you kind of it gives you an appreciation for moments like. It's a very good question, actually. It does give you an appreciation of moments in something mm. that might not otherwise be that great. Yeah. Um, you know, sci-fi in the in that period, you know, wasn't necessarily at its finest. Yeah, you had stuff like Star Wars, but you know, the number of forgive the phrase clones that 
jumped out of the woodwork, were out of the woodwork to um, <laughs> try and cash in on that. Yeah. But you, you'd often find little moments of greatness in a film that would actually, you know, elevate it far beyond. So yeah, it's, it's funny. I didn't realize Harvey was based on a Pulitzer Prize winning play. I'd love yeah, to have yeah. seen that back in the day. Yeah, can you yeah. imagine? Yeah, back and, in the forties uh, and fifties. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Stewart himself actually appeared in it. Uh, he actually went on after doing the film and actually appeared in the play, if I remember correctly. Um, so yeah, he had a yeah you know, a real soft spot for the part. Um, yeah, I mean, there's things like you know the odd couple. Um, you know, yeah. where you come here, Jack Lemmon, Matt out, you know, working against each other, things like that. You know, there's there are moments of you know. You know, for me, you know, film is our is our um, it's our art form, isn't it? You know, the generations that are currently here now, you know, other people buy and sell art, expensive art, and they stand and hang it on their walls. But, you know, for us, it's, it's you know, it's movie, a movie moments. And I guess that's probably why props and things like that from movies are so great, you know. Yeah. Um, Back to the Future, you know, take pretty much any moment in Back to the Future is glorious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fantastic filmmaking. Um indie star wars you know I'd, I'd, I'd struggle to name one you know that's fair um, i think i would as well so yeah but you know it's <laughs> I a think good, you had me I at heat to be honest yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that 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 really is kind of that that um distills great cinema down to its purest essence i think i mean mm-hmm. when when actually that, that you know what's happening there it's just two guys <laughs> in a cafe yeah. talking um, but the sheer, you, you can feel the years of experience between those guys, I think, and, and the fact that, you know, each of them is trying to do the best possible work they can because they know the other guy is just going to take that scene away from them if they don't. <laughs> and yet they yeah. managed to kind of internalize that and turn it back around into making it so unspectacular. It's spectacular, you know. Completely agree. Completely agree. I'm, uh, I'm, I don't know if you can hear me actually off mic. I'm, I'm just loading my Walther PPK, uh, and, I, and, I, and I'm, a, and I'm about to point it right between your eyes. So you're lucky okay, that we've fine. been uh, separated by, by quarantine and, and by, of course, an ocean. Um, and this is another one that you might, you might struggle with. But, but who, hmm. Sean, would you say is your favourite Bond? Favourite Bond. Pick one. If you, if you, you, you have to pick one, or I'm going to pull the trigger. And you'll forever be remembered as an opening title to a Bond movie. <laughs> yeah, um, that's interesting because you know if you'd asked me, for, you know, for most of my most of my life, it would have been Connery. You know, I mean, I'm a big fan of the of the original Fleming books. That sounds really mm. nerdy, doesn't it? But you know, they're they're good little they're a good little read, and I encourage anyone to. You know, they're all short, and you can spin through them in next to no time. Um, so for years and years and years, it was Connery. Mm. Um, um, and then you know, probably from you know age range, you know, I, I gave Dol when I was going through my teenage. Yeah, well, you know, you have to you have to observe the books, and everything has to be close to the books. Yes, mm. um, you know, I, I liked a lot of what Dalton did, and blah, blah blah blah, and so on and so forth. But and I really enjoy Craig with what he's done and reinventing the character. But I've got to be honest, while I poo-pooed him for a long, 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 long time, I've actually, in time, grown to appreciate more. A lot more, as it were. Um, <laughs> in, in, yeah, in recent years. than, than I think, I I think Roger I would, would have appreciated that pun, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I think just, just because in, in 
I mean, if you look at you look at Connery now, for me, it's just kind of he just he literally showed up. I think I, you know, I I think he yeah I I think Con, you know Connery has a has a definite 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 natural charisma, and later on went on to give you know great very charismatic performances in things like well you know The Rock obviously, uh, and so on and so forth. But I I think. I think Roger Moore is actually very is very underappreciated for what he actually brought to the mm. brought to, to the series, and actually, you know, we, we, I was actually discussing this um, recently with my cousin, who's a big uh, big film film guy as well, and actually, his his uh, lockdown mission um, while in lockdown has actually been to watch all the Bond films from beginning to end. And he's actually achieved it, yeah. Um, um, but he it, actually uh, watches the whole of um, what's the one? Die, <laughs> what's the one with the, die, no, die another day. I'm going, oh, sorry, yeah, that, that's that's no, that is the one, yeah, yeah. Whew, is yeah. that the one with the invisible Jaguar? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, if yeah. he gets through all of that, that was, he deserves yeah, the world is not yeah. enough, isn't it? Or is that the world? Uh, no, it's die another day with the ass. Sorry to be uh, completely. Completely geeky, I'll be Aston, yeah. Um, I'm sorry, it wasn't but, Aston, yeah. Um, see, I blocked it out, so I didn't... Yeah, well, yeah, I don't necessarily blame you. But he made a good <laughs> point, actually. I mean, he, I, I was interested, I was chatting to him and said, well, you know, what do you take away from watching, you know, 40, 50 years of Bond films back-to-back? Uh, and he said that it was quite interesting because he said, actually, Roger Moore came across as the most dangerous. And I said... What do you mean? I mean, I've always kind of associated as you know, Roger Moore has pretty much been, you know, carry on Bond. Um, but he said, yeah, but often because of that, because while the others take some, there's some semblance of humanity or getting on with a job, Roger Moore would just murder somebody and then laugh about it and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, yeah, that's kind of true, actually. So, you know, in many ways, as he said, you know, Roger Moore yeah. actually comes across as, as the kind of, in some ways, most disturbing Bond of all. Um, so yeah, you know, I don't get me wrong. You know, I, I really, I, I love what Craig's done, but just despite my, almost despite myself, I think looking back, I think what Roger Moore brought to the table was was a lot of fun. So who's I'm your money on yeah. for the next? Who's your money on for the next one? Um, I'd I'd like to see um, James Norton get a chance, get a shot, okay. a shot. I think mm-hmm. I think he'd be good. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I've seen, you know, having seen him play kind of, um, you know, the sweet picker and then, but on the other side, the real evil Happy Valley villain. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I'd, I'd be interested to see that. You know, a lot of people are He would be another blonde him. Bond, though, wouldn't he? Wow. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look how difficult that got last time. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, um, I would have liked to have seen uh, Fassbender get a chance at the role, but. Too well known now, too old, too expensive. I think probably for uh, Tom Tom Hardy producers. for me. I'm I'm sorry, but Tom Hardy. Yeah, yeah, I think he'd be amazing. Yeah, okay. Maybe more of that blunt mm. instrument of Craig, but I, I I just yeah, I just feel like he's nailed on for it. Mm. Okay, I'll reserve judgment until I see. It. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you know, usually Bond comes out of you know someone that oh yeah that guy because you know it gives him a chance to make a few movies without paying the guy too much money, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. yeah. So, uh, have you got any good stories about meeting any film or TV stars? <laughs> or is um, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have any great stories around it. Um, 
I mean, I've met uh, a few. Um, of course, as a you know, person who's Star Trek the Motion Picture was his first meeting Shatner at a convention a number of years ago was probably the, the high point in many ways. Um, mm. And that guy just... I mean, this must, must have been, what, about eight years ago? Um, that guy oozed energy. I mean, it was just incredible. I mean, I was just... Yeah, yeah they go in with that whole, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> You're not supposed to touch or shake hands. I put my hand out, shook hands. Shook. I mean, the guy was, I mean, he must have been like 85 then. I mean, first of all, that's, yeah, the guy didn't have a line on his face, which, yeah, okay, I guess that could be great. But the, the, <laughs> the, it was like sitting next to, I don't know, a dilithium crystal or something. The, the vibration <laughs> of energy coming out of the guy was just incredible. Uh, it was, it was, it was, absolutely thoroughly charming and I got a handshake. So that's. Um, so just yeah. to be clear, just to be clear, you met <laughs> William Shatner. He yeah. was vibrating, and then he he somehow oozed energy all over your hand. Is that? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah, basically, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, I haven't watched it since. Uh... I, Phil, Phil, I don't think we're going to get a better answer to this question. I think we should retire that question <laughs> for the, the rest of the podcast. For the rest of the podcast, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beautifully put, Miles. Yeah, thanks. For that. <laughs> what would you say is your your favorite movie, and why? Just the number oh. one, you know, it's oh. like, which, of, which is your favorite kid? But, you know, you, you have to pick one. Oh, no, if it was kids, I wouldn't have a problem doing that. But uh, no, on movies, no, that's that's too tough a call. Um, no, there's, there's, there's uh, no, I couldn't. Um, I can give you a, a bunch of, of movies that I absolutely love. Uh, the Rock, we already mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, Great New movie. Hope. You know, anything like that. Um, I mean, if we, you know, it's a cliche, but I think, you know, one of the greatest movies ever made is still Casablanca. Um, mm. It's endlessly quotable. It's it's a perfect example of um, what happens when the studio system gets it right. Yeah. Um, oh, guys, you know, where, where, where do I, where do I, you know, Raiders, from Raiders to... Christmas vacation to uh, serenity to you know Harvey when we mentioned you know it's just it's I, I couldn't I couldn't do it I couldn't I couldn't. no yeah, it's that, always that's, hard to that's one I regret you know you, you asked me earlier do I regret a particular review or anything like that um, no I don't do that but to name my great my favorite movie ever no if I named one I'd regret that forever so yeah <laughs> give me give me give me a list of movies on any any given subject and I'll give you I'll give you some recommendations in the in a genre but um fair enough yeah yeah that's that's fair yeah so i'll shoot i'll shoot one final question at you Hmm. um because as you said earlier on so you you said you trained as a mechanic right yeah 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 okay so in that vein (laughs) you've obviously got a love of cars i'm assuming yeah yeah um so what for you is the ultimate movie car and if you could own one what would it be Oh, that's low. You can only have one, though. And I've only already got my one. one. <laughs> um, what, have you got a DeLorean parked at home? It, it has to be the DeLorean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suspected it might There's be. no other answer. No. <laughs> um, oh, blimey. Okay. I will go for the Hannibal Twin 8 from... Blake with Blake Edwards, the great race. Wow, that's oh, a different that's one. I wasn't expecting one. <laughs> hey, you know, we're living in Fantasy Island here, aren't we? Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, yeah. 
uh, yeah, a lot of lot of lot of good memories for that film. And uh, you know, a, an utter goofball of a car, and yeah, 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 Hannibal Twin Eight. Awesome, <laughs> nicely done, nicely done. You guys, you guys, come on then. We've had a DeLorean. What else? He wants to say DeLorean as well. I know he wants to say DeLorean. I, well. I think, to be honest, I think if 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 it was, there's, there's three really, and I'd have to figure out which one. It would either be Ecto One, yeah, not Ecto One A. Second on the list for me. Yeah, um, it would be Ecto One. Um, it would be the DeLorean, mm-hmm. or it would be uh, Jeep Wrangler from Jurassic Park. Oh yes, shoots and scores there. <laughs> yeah, I can. I, yeah, I, I hear all of those. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Yeah, I would, I'd have a, I'd have a, I'd have a wing mirror that says "objects in the rearview mirror," <laughs> and every time I drive it, I would say "must go faster, must go faster, must go faster." I sent you a photo, did I, Miles, a few months ago when I, I was yeah. like, on, I was on my lunch break and I, I, I went along to like the local supermarket, and in the car park, I parked next to a Jurassic Park Jeep Wrangler. Oh, like, what the hell! It was amazing. <laughs> And I didn't really want to. I just stood there staring at it for quite a long time. <laughs> a few photos. You yeah. just didn't didn't have the heart to get it towed away to a secret location. Secret location, yeah. yeah. Well, Sean, just, just before just before we we end this, we'd love to know a little bit more about what you're doing with the uh, the opera cinema. What your what your position is there? Um, well, uh, at the moment, not a lot, given how shut down the cinemas are, of course. Mm. Um, but. Um, yeah, uh, Albra's a, well, I wouldn't say it's a small independent cinema, it's 250 seats, um, celebrated its centenary last year, um, and uh, yeah, I, I work on the projection side of things, um, I deal with marketing, social media, um, so on and so forth, um, it's, a, it's a nice little place, um, we get, uh, you know, get a few people coming in and supporting, um, we've got a few, you know, useful sponsors that come along uh, my role is you know it's it's growing actually as time goes on um, getting more involved in the projection side of things and um, they've got two twin gorgeous 35 mil projectors up there which I'm so relieved to say they didn't get removed when they went over to digital which of course mm. is the, is the yeah, I was going to ask that actually because I, I, I know a guy who was a projectionist and mm. it was a eight screen uh, eight screen cinema in mm-hmm. um in Brighton, yeah, they got rid of they got rid of everything for digital, and we saw him sort of change over to literally just pressing the play button and yeah, sort of zapping in the you know making sure everything was queued up in the file list and uh, exactly yeah, I rather mean, than actually fa- splicing the film trailers onto the actual film. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong, it's fantastic, especially for independent cinemas like mm. you know we can show three, four different films a day. Um, yeah. You know, it's fantastic the the you know the ability it gives you on oh yeah you know, oh, and the quality as well obviously yeah the quality's you know excellent but you I know, do get um, why yeah 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 so you know overall digital is it's, it's a godsend don't get me wrong um, especially, it's nice especially for the independence but you know the fact that they're still sitting there uh, yeah. I mean what oh what what what's heartbreaking is the fact that you know what three months before I started working there Neville who actually there's a there's a great documentary about him um, Neville Neville Parry I believe his surname was uh, was actually the oldest working projectionist in the UK 
Uh, he passed okay. away. He passed away three months before I started working there. Uh, yeah, oh, wow. and I was so devastated, you know, to to learn more about him and to realise, you know, this this guy that I just missed the chance to work with and learn from. Him. Yeah, it's a shame. So, you know, but I mean, he was he was well into his eighties and was still working there as projection, you know, for a, for a, for a love of film, you know. And yeah, it's like it's 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 a big part of people's lives, and you know, I will take my hat off to you guys for you know doing what you're doing, you know, celebrating film, um, using yeah, use using modern media moving forward you know podcasts and so on and so forth because it's something that you know you can talk about forever and, and get something that you know <clears throat> is is great to keep alive um you know things are going to change we're looking at you know the, the sheer level of cgi and things that you know we're seeing now hmm. um in movies such as parasite and things like that you know the stuff that you know the hid the hidden the hidden cgi that we're seeing um, yeah, is, I watched is, a I watched a YouTube video on that recently, and it was unbelievable. Yeah, it's incredible. You don't the even be, used on it. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? So it's so yeah. subtle. It's one of those films you don't you don't realize it's, it's yeah, got that it's, much CGI. It's kind of yeah, it's kind of create it and throw it away, isn't it? For, for yeah, just pray to God no one notices. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, you know, I th- I think in this day and age where you've got you know you've got huge TVs at home, you've got you know great sound at home. In many ways, you've got a a superior sound experience. Uh, cinema going experience at home in many cases then you've got a, a lot of cinemas which which you know themselves are struggling to keep up um i think it's but you know there is something unique about the cinema experience and also something you know um i guess it's the romance of film um that is 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 great to keep alive and what whatever the format and whatever the venue and uh, you know i take my hat off to you guys for you know for launching this and you know keeping that keeping that little bit of um, love for love for film alive in a in a in, in changing times of course know, of course and, and you know if uh, i think if anyone would like more information on albra cinema and the albra cinema trust you can check them out at albracinema.co.uk uh, they also run a young environmental documentary filmmaker competition um, which i know has been postponed until 2021 but any listeners out there that are interested in that then uh, check them out on the the website so um sean thank you very much for joining us thank um, you for having me and for you know of all the podcasts in all the towns in all the world thanks for walking into <laughs> us he's looking at you kid <laughs> cheers <laughs> see you guys bye. Bye. bye so let's go to the video shop corner where we're going to talk about a uh, classic movie every week that we love, that we've seen, um, whether it still stands up to the test of time and uh, and a little bit more about the background of those films. Um, so this week I, I actually watched uh, an entire an entire trilogy. One of them isn't classic, um, but it was the Bad Boys trilogy with Martin oh, Lawrence bad boys. and Will Smith. Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? <laughs> what you gonna do when they're coming for you? Bad boys, bad boys. <laughs> At the end of the day, Phil, we ride together, we die together. Bad boys for life. I was waiting for you to jump in and start saying sorry. it at the same time as me. I'm oh, sorry. I was, I was. I shut off when you started singing. <laughs> Here's the question. Um, am I Will Smith or am I Martin Lawrence? No, you're, you're Will Smith. Yeah, definitely. Is the right answer. Okay, everyone, we'll speak to you next week. No, I'm kidding. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I watch these movies. I'm actually not a huge fan of them. I, I never really was. Um, but I do love Michael Bay. I love, obviously, Will Smith. Um, I went back and I watched all, all three in the space yeah. of a weekend. 
um, and uh, sat down and watched the original one. The original one is has this kind of weird kind of neon um, nighttime kind of evening sunset day glow vibe that I never really picked on. It has like a slightly noirish vibe. Yeah, it's like just well. warmth all over it. I mean, even the cover's like orange in it. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're, they're walking down on a street on like a freeway with a car in the background and like heat lines coming up out of the out of the tarmac. Yeah. Um, but I actually really enjoyed it. And I forgot Taylor Leone was in that. And she's stunning oh, yeah. in that movie. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Um, not, it's been such a long time since I've seen Bad Boys. I need to watch them again. I, I've not really, seen the, the, the newest one either. But She's great in it as well. She's probably the best actor in it out of everyone. <laughs> you know, yeah. Will Smith is at the start of his career. and You've got Martin Lawrence. Um, and obviously Joey Pants as the captain. <laughs> um, but uh, but I actually really enjoyed that. I actually really enjoyed it. Kind of a retro vibe. The The music is so close to the score of The Rock and, and Con Air and all of the other kind of Bruckheimer productions. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy, but actually really, really good. And the bad guy is this kind of crazy French guy that's running around that I've never seen in anything since with a really no. heavy French accent. Um, but I, I, I quite liked that. I watched the second one. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, apart from Titanic, is is officially the longest movie of all time. Um, <laughs> it's it's over forty six or forty seven hours long. Um, <laughs> Michael Bay basically didn't cut anything out of this movie. It's um, two hours and twenty. I've just looked it up. It's two hours and twenty seven minutes long. It's That's a long ridiculous. time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, there's there are there's moments where you see bodies flying out of a refrigerated truck onto a freeway um there is there's so many gunfights in the streets car chases um the for me the culmination is one of the most fucking insane things i've ever seen in a movie and i've seen episode two of space force with the chimpstronaut <laughs> um basically for no apparent reason will smith and martin lawrence join like this kind of i guess kind of army paramilitary unit yeah. and then decide to invade fucking Cuba. Cuba. <laughs> the Cuban drug cartel. It goes from Miami to two Miami cops walking around the streets, arresting people, to they're now in basically the army and they're invading Cuba. Yeah. It's... Why not? Well, I mean... And what do they invade that? Cuba in, Miles? Because I seem to remember <laughs> the one thing that sticks in my mind from that film is... <laughs> <laughs> the vehicle that they, they used to do that. Well, this is this is an even more bizarre thing. So they invade Cuba in what can only be described as a neon yellow Humvee. When and when you consider that Cuba hasn't had any new cars sent to the country since the 1950s, it yeah. really is a bizarre choice. They <laughs> Bumblebee just arrived. It's it's like a transformer. I mean, I guess that's maybe where he started to get the idea for yeah, maybe Transformers, Michael Bay. But there's a scene where he drives, where they sorry drive their bright yellow Humvee through a a shanty town that's made out of corrugated steel, which I don't even think they have in Cuba. But for some reason, they drive it through this town. And when I say drive it through, I mean they drive it through every Cuban's fucking house. <laughs> 
not giving an ounce for the the lives that they're probably destroying and crushing as they they are literally driving through buildings (laughs) i mean if you watch it it's like you're watching thinking these guys are like the american oppressors just destroying just killing cubans left right and center it's always in films like that when it's just like (laughs) these police from other countries come over just completely fuck the place up it's like who's gonna pay for that <laughs> have they got to pay for that? The government, yeah. the American government, or whoever? What country they're from? Of course they don't. They just, you know, they just get back on a plane and fly back home. They had a great weekend in Cuba. That's it. Yeah, the end. They caught that one guy for the drug running. <laughs> Thanks for that. Cheers. We're off. <laughs> really, uh, really bizarre. Really bizarre movie. Um, mm. But like again, you know, one of those films that you just can't take your eyes off. And I, I kind of get why Nick Frost in Hot Fuzz is always referencing it. Um, yeah. Uh, because it is just a crazy action movie. Um, what's the What's the third one like? The new one. So Bad Boys for Life. Yes, the the latest one. So I didn't, unfortunately, didn't get a chance to see it in the cinema because of the the COVID situation. But mm. I did get a chance to 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 watch it uh, on video on demand, and I actually quite liked it. Um, it's sometimes when they modernize something that's so of its time, it kind of loses something. This is actually. It's actually there's actually a lot of drama in in the newest one, right? And it goes to places the other two definitely don't. Um, I don't. I don't think there's a scene in it where either Will Smith or Martin Lawrence don't have tears in their eyes while they're talking to each other. <laughs> Is it because they're not driving a yellow Humvee? <laughs> Maybe they miss their their time just murdering people in Cuba, in Cuba uh, yeah. with a vehicle. Um, but no, I mean. Yeah. It's it's actually pretty good. I, I didn't hate it, and and there's some really good scenes in there. There's they they meet up with a new team of police officers, which again you kind of roll your eyes at when you think about movies where they they bring in these kind of new characters later in the in the sequels. But that actually they're pretty good because it kind of shows how out of touch you know these two are with um with with the with modern policing and drones and yeah. not necessarily having to be you know undercover all the time putting your life on the line. Um, which work quite well. And, you know, again, lots of really cool action stuff that happens in there. Definitely a lot of emotion. And again, goes to goes to some kind of deep places, which I actually really, really liked. Um, and again, you know, you still leave the movie with a with a smile on your face. So a worthy sequel for sure. Um, and uh, I think they should, you know, possibly leave it there now at this point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, with a lot of things that they send to want to make money on these days <laughs> yeah yeah no i i can i completely agree um so you know all in all uh, i mean a, a surprise kind of classic corner that we have here because you know these aren't necessarily films that i grew up loving but i definitely have a new appreciation for all of them and seeing them in that in that trilogy i i definitely recommend it's a good a good weekend i think i need to go away and watch those again and watch the third one for the first time as well Definitely. If you haven't seen them, you know, check them out. I'm sure they're available on Netflix or Amazon Prime, Hulu, uh, based on your location. And all other good streaming services. Thank you, Mr. Netflix. (laughs) All right. So that was this week's podcast. Phil, as ever, thanks so much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. Salutations to you. (laughs) And to you. (laughs) So join us next week for another episode of the Movie Mouth Film and TV Podcast. We'll be bringing you another exclusive interview, reviewing some new kick-ass content and talking about a classic movie in our video store corner. Everybody out there, have a great week. 
and we'll look forward to speaking to you next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Space Force! <laughs> I don't know why I did that in the, in the tone of Dynamo. Why not?